Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the co-host, Dave. Huh? Burles. Berlin. Hmm. I was I was waiting for my <laughs> intro, like, you know, your random fact about me that's obviously I, true. I was lazy. I was like, so true. I was lazy. Uh, uh, I and and then as I was coming up, I was like, should I should I make up something on the fly? Sh- no. Should I throw it just throw no. it in there? <laughs> no, I shouldn't. No, I shouldn't. It'll, All good. It'll All just good. be weak if I don't, you know. If I come up with something right. on the fly, no. No. No, I'm no, yeah. ju- I'm no Justin Evangelista. Nope. We all know that was Justin's. Nah. That was Justin's highlight was coming up with weird crap right when you didn't expect Random it. Random nicknames, just, just little zingers. Right when you didn't expect it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listeners, go back two years, listen to a couple of the shows, you'll get it. Yes! Anyways, uh, Dave, how are you? Hmm. Dude, I am I am surviving. Oh. I wouldn't say I'm thriving, but mm. I'm surviving. Mm. Amen. 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 I'm right there with you, man. Amen. Uh, Good. I, I, I'll what? tell you, there's some people in this country that are really thriving. I mean, there are yeah. some people that Jeff are Bezos. really that are really not <laughs> that are barely surviving, but there are some people yes. that are really uh, 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 thriving. Thriving. And, and you yes. were correct, Dave. One of those people. Jeff Bezos, he is thriving. So right? true. Are you about to talk about him? A little bit, not not him wow. specifically, I, but okay. I was like, man, did I just nail that? Yeah, to a degree, you did. I really want to talk about billionaires in general, though. Okay, we can do that. There, you know, take a stab. How many billionaires do you think there are in America? Ah, hmm. oh, crap. Um, billion, folks. A hun- hundred. Hundred. Six hundred and fifty-one billionaires. Jeez. Billion. That's with a B, listeners. With a B. A thousand millions. Doesn't that seem a little nuts to you, Dave? Does I mean? Does, it seems a little Clearly, nuts. Clearly, I was me. seven times shorter than the yeah. number. Yeah, that's what the ladies say about me. What? Huh? what? Oh. What? Uh. Anyways. Wham. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> like uh, so, d- d- do this calculation with me, Dave. Uh, the uh, normal American, their average net worth is a hundred thousand dollars. That's the average American, a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It seems a little wacky to me that there are six hundred and fifty-one people that are worth more than ten thousand times the average American's person. net worth. Hmm. 10,000 uh, yeah. times. And four of those billionaires are all over $100 billion. Mm. How many of them? Four? Four. Four. That means these folks, listeners, have a million times the net worth of the average American. Wow. Accumulate wow. a million Americans, and one of these dudes could just buy them all out. Like, hey, I've got all wow. m- more money than all of you put together. A million of them. Jeez. A million. Jeez. Now, if you're like me, Dave, you may say, 
why do these folks have so much money? Right? Like, what 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 are they doing that makes them worth one million times the yeah, average American? What do they have in common. Right? Uh, a lot of times when you talk to about wealthy folks, I've always heard this. I, I'm sure you've heard it. You have the person that automatically says, you're worth what somebody's willing to pay you. Right. Eh. Right. Eh. Nope. Let me point a couple things out. Uh, let's take Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Mark's worth $105 billion. Sheesh. $105 billion. And why is he worth that? Because he created Facebook. Mm-hmm. He created... People are willing to pay for it. He created Facebook. That is not worth $105 billion. That's worth a punch in the face. It's not worth $105 <laughs> billion. You know who's worth $105 billion or should be? Who created pizza? That's a gem right yes. there. That person. I mean, that guy was probably royalty. That person's worth $105 billion. Or whoever invented an afternoon that. nap in a hammock. That's a fact. That person's oh, worth $105 fantastic. billion. Dollars. Facebook. Lemonade. Lemonade. Exactly. Lemonade. Exactly. Like, I mean, honestly, hearing the, to me, hearing the maker of Facebook is worth $105 billion is like if you told me the creator of pop sockets on the back of people's phone is worth $105 billion. I'd be like, what? Lame. I don't even use those things. You're telling me he's worth $105 <laughs> billion? Like, I don't Dude, that use... Guy, that guy's probably worth a billion, though. Let's yeah, probably. Honest. I mean, honestly. They sold so many of those. But, like, I don't even use Facebook. And, like, let's be honest. There are other ways to get in touch with people. Facebook wasn't the first idea of social media. It's just a little bit better than the other ways. And he only did yeah. it so he could go out with somebody. And now he's $105 billion? Ridiculous. Now he can get it when he wants. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, Dave, I was watching football this past weekend. Well, I mean, then Jeff Bezos, his idea isn't revolutionary. No, it's not. Nope. No, it's not. We, we don't even have time to get into Jeff, but it's completely, we yeah. brought it up before. It's an online Walmart. Who cares? Right. Um, right. But in all honesty, Dave, I was watching football this past week, and a commercial came on for a local morning news show. And they said they started it every morning, 4 a.m. Jeez. And I, and I started thinking about it, and I was like, those anchors and producers have to get up at some god-awful hour at like 3 a.m. every morning, which means... Yep. Which, uh, well, actually, they have to be there at 3 a.m., which means they probably have to get up at, like, 2.30. Ew. Which, like, that's such a life. If you told me I had to have that job, I would literally have to have Mark Zuckerberg levels they go worth to the money. Oh, I mean, if they want to be sane, like, and get a normal amount of hours of sleep, like, seven or six. Right, six. Like, I Man. mean... Literally, those people deserve Mark Zuckerberg money more than he does. I'd be more willing to say, oh, they got to get up at three. Good Lord, here, take a couple billion. That's a fact. And then maybe I'm not convincing you with Mark. Maybe he's not the guy to convince you. Maybe I can convince you with Leonard Lauder. Hmm. I don't even know who that is. Now, Leonard Lauder, he's, uh, Lenny is worth a cool $18 billion. 
Who, mm-hmm. 18 billion. Now, uh, now you're asking, what did Lenny do to obtain insane right. wealth? Well, I sure am. He's Estee Lauder's son. That's it. That's a fact. Mm. His mom made beauty products, and he has all her money. There you go. That's why he has $18 billion, because his mom made lipstick back in the day and some other beauty products, and now he has $18 billion. And, and, I mean, I understand, there's a lot of ugly people in the world, so, you know. That's a fact. It, right. it probably right. accumulated <laughs> up to $18 billion. But Lenny has an art collection that is worth $1 billion. Word. His wow. art collection is worth a, just some pieces of art. And don't get me wrong, Dave. I know our show, uh, aside the crap that we talk about, is usually based on people's art. But hmm. really, a billion on just art. Hmm. You D- know, that's that's one thing in common that rich people do. They like buy crazy things of art, and then like over they time have it too actually much appreciates... Money. But it's ridiculous. Like they have too much money for the Dave. The average American spends two thousand seven hundred ninety-two dollars on food a year. Oh, if man, you're going I more than that, I know definitely <laughs> I do too. We're we're above the median on that. But yeah, going by that price, Lenny with just his art, if he were to sell his art could afford to feed 360,000 people for a year. Wow. Right. 360. Wow. Thousand in a year. 360,000. 360,000 people for a whole like year. Like one-tenth of the whole country. One one-thousand. Yes, you're right. One one-thousand, actually. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Or, or you know, and again... Uh, you know, my my point here, Dave, I went on a very long tangent. That's a fact. Uh, my point is, there's a lot of rich people in America. So true. That's, that's, that's basically, I get. that's it. I don't, I don't have too much more right. of a point than that. Uh, Wait, what? And, uh, I don't know if they should have all that money. That's all my, that's, that's my point. It's just, <laughs> anyways, I don't know. I, uh, th- th- there's no point to that, Dave. You want to fire up the show now? Let's fire it up. Up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Okay. All right. Oh, geez. Sorry. I got. I. I. I was just thinking. I just. I saw this NPR thing, and it was going over billionaires. And I was like, that is ridiculous. I don't even know what I'd do. I, what would you do if you were a billionaire? Like, what do you do I with have that? No idea, man. I would. I don't. I don't even. I wouldn't even want it, man. I'd just be like, nah, somebody else take no, it. I I'm don't want gonna, this. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say no, that. I wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> believe me, it'd drive you insane, man. Let, uh, follow eh. Notorious B.I.G. More money, more problems. More money, more problems. Amen. Amen. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Thank God I do not have anywhere close to that, Dave. Yes. Gosh, lucky. <laughs> Anyways. Dave. You're so blessed. I am. I am. Consider myself blessed. I'm super excited, though, about the show. We have a fantastic yes, guest, Ward Davis. My goodness, I'm excited to talk to this right. guy. He is a big-time artist in uh, Nashville. Well, outside of Nashville now. Uh, he lives outside of Nashville, but he does big things in country. Uh, he's been touring with Cody Jinks for a long time. He is 
created songs with Willie Nelson. He's created songs that Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard performed. Merle Haggard requested, before Merle passed away, Mm -hmm. requested that Ward's song be performed at his funeral. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, talk about a badge of honor in country music. That's insane. That is insane. I'm super excited to talk to him today. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. But first, we need to hit up some birthday suits. Yeah, we do. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay, Dave, I'm not going to lie. This may be the worst birthday suit. Like, not the worst people, obviously. They're fantastic Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. But for you... It, it's Not the good. hardest guessing. I, I I would say this is the hardest guessing of the year. I will be surprised if you get... Well, no, I won't be surprised with one. <laughs> I won't be surprised with one. But if you get more than one, I'll be blown away. Hmm. Uh, All right. This first one, I'm giving you 38%. This is the best one. This is your best All shot. Right. Um, Here we go. Born on December 16th, 1770. Oh, my God. In Bonn, Germany. Hmm. Our birthday suit wearer's father started teaching our birthday suit wearer how to play piano when he was young. His Beethoven. Father- yeah, there it is. He got it. He got it. Ah, see, I knew. I knew if we had classical and there was piano, there was hope. I knew that. There that- was hope. I didn't know if you'd be able to pull it, though, from that, but you obviously did. There it is. There it is. So I'm smart. His father tried to promote him as a child prodigy, claiming he was six in his first concert posters when he was really eight. Girl, come on! At 11, he started to learn how to compose music. His first piano sonatas were published when he was 13. He moved to Vienna in 1792. While there, he learned under Joseph Hayden's direction. As early as 1798, the talented musician and composer started sadly losing his hearing. Despite Mm. going deaf, our birthday suit wearer continued to make music. Throughout the early 1800s, he wrote some of his most famous works, like Symphony, the number five symphony there. Dun-dun-dun-dun! Dun, 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 dun. Uh, yes. Love it. Uh, our birthday suit wear died in 1827. He is one of the most admired mm. composers in Western and the history of Western music. Right there. Beethoven. Legend. Only 57, man. 57. You know? But it was also like 18, you know, the late 17, early 1800s. So. Yeah. And he started losing his hearing when he was only 28. That, that I mean, talk Crazy. about, like, just like a, I mean, that's just a... A feel for it. A kick, a kick in the pants. You're such a good yeah. musician, and then you're like, oh, hey, by the way, the thing that you're good at, no, you can't hear it. Lame. Like, no. what? What? That's lame. Now, apparently, all through his life, even till like, right up to the point that he died, he could hear, like, small things. Very like low frequencies he could hear, mm-hmm. and like big changes in in uh, volume he could hear, but like you know, I mean, he was you know very, 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 very bad at hearing by the end of his life. But still, crazy. Uh, obviously, one of the the most recognized musicians still of all time, Beethoven. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Happy birthday, Beethoven. 
Yes. R.I.P. Uh, okay, Dave. That was it. Now I'm pretty positive you're not going to get either of the other two. And that was my <laughs> five minutes of fame. That was it. That was it. Uh, okay, are you ready to rip some headlines? Yeah, buddy. Let's rip it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mmm, Dave. <laughs> this, this, this first story is a real head-scratcher. Um, so, hypothetically... Um, have you ever thought about overthrowing a government? Wait, what? Never. Okay. I mean, no, don't worry. Your secret's safe with me. Nobody's listening to this. I mean, I know we're on the radio, but don't worry. Nobody listens to our show. You know that. So okay, you can... I'm going to overtake them one day. <gasps> Not really. Nope. But, Dave... <laughs> Dave, regardless, I, I'm I'm glad to hear and know that you're not overthrowing a government. Um, and I don't think really anybody, I well, I didn't think anybody was trying to out there because, you know, it's sort of hard to do that these days. So true. Like very it's it's not it's not like the old days where you could just like get a couple of your crew, you know, and like walk up to the Take state capitol, yeah, and, and just be like, it's ours now. <laughs> You know, like, you can't, can't really do that. But apparently, that's what an American Marine thought he was going to do with Haiti. Hmm. The country oh, Haiti. God. So, uh, Jacques Durasseau apparently was hoarding U.S. guns, ammunition, and body armor, and he was going to take it to Haiti to train Haitians to overthrow the government, and then he would become president of Haiti. Hmm. That was his plan. That guy's literally insane. Well, now, he was was detained uh, on his his plan, obviously. Now, he he went down, his first move to uh, Haiti was on Veterans Day, because apparently he'd already planned that on Veterans Day, uh, veterans get three free bags. Oh, yeah. So he's going to use his three free bags to move the ammunition. The ammunition. He was like, Smart. there we go. And two birds with one stone. Take this coupon. Get my guns over there. Now, uh, when he was detained, Dave, he had seven guns. Hmm. Hmm. Listeners, think about that. Seven guns to overthrow a government. Yes. Yes. Uh I mean, I'm not a logistics manager of governmental coups, Dave, but if you came to me and you're like, hey, I'm planning on overthrowing a government, right now I've got a pocket knife and some brass knuckles, I'd be like, uh... You might want to plan a little bit more. Maybe a couple more things. You know, like seven guns. That was just the that was just the initial trip, Doc. No, I guess he's I guess he's taking the Johnny Cash one part at a time to build a Cadillac plan. I mean, yep. Good lord. Now, I mean, it seems like a situation, and I've I've said this before, you know, but again. Phone a friend, and I'm guessing at this time, Jack, uh, Jack Ace, Jackie had to have some some friends that he's planning on doing this with. Like, mm-hmm. you'd think one of the friends would be like, "Hey, maybe, maybe we need a little bit more. Maybe, right, right, maybe a little bit more, bro." 
Does he it, phone a friend for this? I mean, I, you would think he did at some point, but I guess not, maybe. I don't know. Oh, man. Anyways, Jack Ace has been detained. Um, you know, which is the funny, the weird part about it is, is that Jack Ace was, uh, you know, he was a citizen of Haiti. Like, he could have ran for president if he wanted. So, like, oh. why, why, why didn't he just start a political career and run for Haiti? Uh, I don't right. know. He wanted to take the fast approach. Anyways, uh, Dave, we talked about dumb social media challenges. So true. Uh, which in fact, we enjoy. Yeah, we, in fact, have a, a segment, Challenger Conspiracy. Well, I've got a story that we can thank dumb challenges for creating this story. So, Oh, boy. So a family in Ozone Park, New York, they're a bit of a panic this past Sunday. Uh, they woke up and realized their son and their nephew and their Range Rover were gone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so they looked they, they they called police and then they looked at their own surveillance camera at their house and realized that the 12-year-old had hopped in the Range Rover with the 7-year-old and drove mm. off. Oh my god. Yeah. Now, after so scary. <laughs> after being gone for about two hours, the police were able to track the vehicle using license plate trackers, a couple other things, a couple tips. And uh, they came up on the Range Rover, turned their lights on to pull them over, right? Mm -hmm. And the 12-year-old mm -hmm. sped up trying to get away oh, from the cops. Freak. Tried to flee away from the cops as a 12-year-old. What a bad Not good intuitions as a 12-year-old. Um, no. So the cops, you know, they were like, oh, there's a 12-year-old, better drop off. So they dropped off, not to endanger anybody else's life. They're like, all right, let them do, you know, whatever. At about Just two, watch them. Yeah, yeah. At about 2.15, the boys pulled over into a rest stop to buy cookies. Of course. <laughs> Seven-year-old right. seven and 12-year-old. Hey, what do we need? I need to fuel up probably some cookies. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's get some cookies. They probably didn't even have a wallet. Well, and apparently not only had the 12-year-old stolen his parents' car, he stole his dad's uh, credit card, too. Uh, and the credit card was red flagged, and that's when the kids were apprehended because of the cookies. The cookies, now, uh, one of their neighbors, I love this, because they interviewed like three different neighbors for this story. One of their neighbors came in with a very informed comment. Justin, their neighbor, said, quote, First of all, it's very brave to even get behind the wheel of a car at 12. Not sure what's going on. Maybe family issues. Don't know what it is. But if it's a joyride, I'll tell you right now, that's not safe. Word. It's not safe at all. Word. Wow, brilliant insight, that one. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Thank you. I did need you to tell me that a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old driving 100 miles speeding away from cops, probably not safe. Nope. It's not a good call. Thanks, Justin. Now, here's where the challenge comes in. Apparently, this was a social media challenge. The kids decided to do this because there's a social media challenge to take a car and drive it as far as you can until it runs out of gas. Wait, what? Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. Neither have I. And I got to ask, 
Are there any adults out there doing this challenge? Hmm. Because Please comment if you are. Yeah. Like, Let us know. I mean, not only is this the one of the dumbest challenges that go along with all the other dumb challenges, it's just boring. Like Right. Would like you just what do you do? I think I got like my car has like 300 miles. Yeah. So like 300 miles from Jacksonville. You're just going to drive for five hours. You're going to drive to basically like Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale and run out of gas and that'll be it. That's not a that's not a bad place to end. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, like, what's the next challenge going to be? Like, don't pay your electric bill and see what happens. Hmm. Oh, for a week. My lights turned <laughs> off. Oh, like what? the dumbest I wonder how challenge? long it would take your lights to turn back on like how long does it after you pay it uh oh. it, it's usually about 12 hours i can tell you from oh. from, from, experience. from previous experience <laughs> oh god uh now I, the other thing though i gotta tell you is like i gotta ask is like how did a 12 year old get sucked into that challenge like how does a 12 year old He's be like oh balls. oh my god that sounds so awesome like and then convince his seven-year-old brother to come. Wait, uh, uh, cousin, cousin. Oh, cousin. He's, he's seven, anyways. He's in. He's five years younger. He's th he thinks the twelve-year-old everything he does is cool. You know, it's not true, that hard. True. Uh, Dave, it's about that time of year that Amazon drivers they're working overtime. You know. Oh yeah, pumping pumping some some weight up at the gym delivering the packages left and right you know um well an amazon driver in new jersey he's in trouble for uh for not really delivering the packages did he steal a playstation well so he apparently i don't know exactly what he stole but apparently what he did was he hid them so he could take them for himself later. Hmm. So, mm. so a police officer from Logan Township in New Jersey was driving down the road when he noticed an Amazon van sitting on the side of the road. And when he got closer to inspect the situation, he saw the driver of the van in the woods throwing boxes in the woods. Word. And wow. So the officer went up to the Amazon driver and was like, uh, uh, what are you doing with those boxes there in the woods? And then the driver responded, oh, those boxes? Those boxes were just full of feces. Wait, what? I was throwing feces. them away. He literally told the officer that he threw big boxes of into the woods. Way to think on your toes. Right? Like At least he didn't just say that they were already there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like uh, of course to which the officer when he said this said um do you mind going over and grabbing one of those boxes of feces for me so I can see this? And of course, turns out they were undelivered packages, not feces. Um now as you said, Dave, Thinking on your toes there. I mean, feces was the best thing this dude could think of. Blam. Like, that's it? That's the best thing he could think of? 
Like how had like how did the the driver think this was going to be received? Like he was going to be like, oh, you know what? That's all feces. And the officer was like, yep. oh, that that <laughs> checks out. All right, I'll see you later. Have a good day. All and, right, have fun. Enjoy, enjoy <laughs> your day. And for like, but why would you have boxes of shit anyways? What would the reason right. be that you had this? Like it makes no sense. Think it through. Think it through. I wonder if he thought about the idea and he was like, oh, if anyone asks me, they're full of <laughs> That's going to be perfect. Now, like, he's like, yes, that's the excuse. Well, well, <laughs> too, that's what I want to know because, like, in the story, obviously it says feces. Like, did he right. actually tell the cop feces or did they no, just clean no it up way. for the story? Like, yeah, had to, had cause, to. Because let's be honest, it'd be even more fishy if I was the cop and they were like, "It's a box of feces." What? What did you just say? Feces? Really? <laughs> um, Dave, have you ever worked in the business of hay? Hmm. I have not. Neither have I. Never, never, never. These hands haven't done manual labor like that. No, they've only handled have, steaks. They've only handled steaks calluses. at Loghorn. Right. <laughs> uh, well, apparently, we need to work in the hay business. Um, uh, by there's the, some money in it? Well, by the sounds of this next door, yes. Word. Yes, there is. Okay. Uh, so two men in New Mexico uh, were hired by Leo Martinez and Robbie Prophet mm -hmm. to deliver $500,000 worth of hay. To Pareo Farms. How, however, instead of delivering the hay to the rightful owner, owner apparently mm -hmm. they sold mm -hmm. it to another farm for the same price mm -hmm. and then charged Pareo Farms for the delivery. Mm. Man, that's some by those guys. Uh, now, uh, in the story, they contacted the Attorney General of New Mexico who said family farmers and ranchers and all the small businesses work tirelessly to provide the backbone of New Mexico's economy, and we must do what we can to protect them. Yeah! Then he said, this type of thing happens 100 times a year. Wow. What, what is going on in New Mexico? What? Yeah. And then I think we it can happens twice a week. <laughs> yeah, and I like and I think we can all agree who knew hay was that expensive. Like Dude, that's what I was trying to think. Like how much hay do you get for five hundred G's? I, like I was calculating like a million pounds. Like, I mean, I I would think like fifty cents a pound or something, but apparently, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a couple pounds. I don't even know. What does a pound look like? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be pretty big. If you've ever picked up yeah. some hay, it's it's not very dense. It's not right. it's not the densest. And then just uh, uh, spare spare a thought for the cows that got to eat that crap, man. That is some boring mm -hmm. stuff right there. That is that is lame. Lame. Dry grass. Ew. Ugh. Ugh. And you just got to right, eat like fifteen pounds of it. That is too much. All right, so fifty pounds will cost you three to ten dollars. Three to ten dollars. So you're talking yep. way over a million pounds there of wow. hay. 
of that's hay. So much hay. That's a lot of hay. Anyways, last story, Dave. Are you ready? Here we go. Uh, I'm ready. Dave, let me guess. You've got a Christmas tree in your house, correct? Hmm. I have multiple. Yeah. I'm that. I'm that religious. What? Well, I didn't. It's not really religious. <laughs> I, I don't. Your trees. My dad used to. My dad used to say we drive around the neighborhood, and any of the the houses that were really decorated, he'd be like, "Wow, those people must be really religious." <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that exactly equates, but you know, uh, I figured since your fiance with her design instincts, she wouldn't let your house go treeless. You know exactly. Nope. I don't think you're gonna find this surprising, Dave. I don't have a tree. Uh, I thought you'd have at least a little tiny, like three footer. Nah. Nope. Nah. No. No point. Nope. I'm good. Uh, no fine. women enter that. No <laughs> women enter that household. No, let, let, let's just go ahead and say nobody, no person is entering it besides no me. There's, there's no need. Um, anyways, right. this next story is more reason why I don't have a tree. Uh, okay. So this week, a lady in Tallahassee, up there in the old Panhandle, um, she heard her dog growling at something, four thirty in the morning. <laughs> So she yeah. was a little concerned because her dog normally, you know, not really a talkative type. So she was like, mm-hmm. what's going down here? So she came into the living room, turned on the lights, and noticed that her dog was growling and staring at the Christmas tree. Yeah. She, she said, I knew that there was something that shouldn't have been in there. And I looked, and I see a furry body in my Christmas tree. Wait, what? Oh, Do- shit. Don't worry, folks. Dave was not in her Christmas tree. It was not no, Dave. I it was not. I was not her present. That uh, night. So she didn't know what it was, and she actually made a video of this. You can check out the video. And in the mm-hmm. video, she's like, "I think I've got a cat in my tree," which it's obviously not a cat. Then she realizes it's not a cat, and she's like, "Oh, I think it's a squirrel." What? And Dave, if this was a squirrel, it would be the world record for largest squirrel the, the by far. <laughs> by far. Was it like a raccoon? It was a raccoon, Dave. Yes. Yeah. And at the time, the dog jumps at the raccoon, which then the raccoon jumps onto the chandelier. And it's literally mm. just hanging on the chandelier like a movie. Sweet. Like just two wow. hands on the chandelier with its little raccoon body hanging down into the room like, okay, I don't, oh I don't know what goodness. to do here. I'm stuck, guys. I'm stuck. Finally, she was able to chase the raccoon out of the door. Now, Dave, if you're asking yourself how did a raccoon get in her house, uh, she has a doggy door. And... Mm on her back door and the old trash panda just cruised into the old doggy door and made himself at home um i'm not gonna lie dave if if i could get a baby raccoon i'd probably get one as a pet it'd be cute yeah he's got little cute ears they got their cool little mask on yeah and their little fluffy ring tail those guys are all right in my book i wouldn't mind having one definitely I'd like to get me a, a little panda there. Now, I mean, obviously, hers, yeah, nah, it'd mm. be it'd be hard to tame that fella. Uh, be, right. need, need to get them while they're a kid, and then have yourself a I little agree. panda friend. 
Uh, you can train them. I'm pretty positive. My dad knew some weird people growing up. Pretty positive my dad said he knew somebody that had a pet raccoon. That's a fact. Pretty positive That's that was awesome. the case. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. Anyways, uh... Dave, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest of honor today, Mr. Ward Davis. This is Black Cats and Crows. Every day is just another day to die. I wake up wondering why I even try I know what it's like to lose control of a wasted soul The devil's in the details and the details pave the way God must have it in for me Why he only knows Cause every road I walk I see Black cats and crows Every heart's just another heart breathe Every life's just another life Gives a taste If you know what it's like to want to die Well, so do I Yeah. 
are back here on the Doc a G a Radio a Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, <gasps> Florida. Dave? Yes. Guys, do us a favor. Mm-hmm. Go on your podcast downloading app mm-hmm. and search the Doc G Show. Bingo. Do it. Download it. Go back, listen to all the episodes. Like we said, go listen to Justin two years ago. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear him coming up with some random stuff, and we're just like, yeah, okay. That was weird, man. And you'll say the same thing. Yeah. You'll say the same thing. Yeah. Then go on the Instagram, mm-hmm. at Doc G Show, mm-hmm. and check out the website, www.docgshow.com or the docgshow.com. Mm-hmm. We have both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do it. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I do have to say, shout out to Justin, uh, him and his yes. girlfriend. Uh, six years. Six year anniversary. Insane. Shout out to her for putting up with him for six years. Exactly. She, he took a video of her getting drunk on their six uh, year anniversary, which would make sense. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Uh, I, I ch- she had to numb numb herself to it. I chatted with him a little bit on the anniversary, and he said, "Does everybody hate me at the Doc G show?" And at first, I said yes, and then I said, "Of course not. We love you, Justin." That's a fact. Uh, of course, all the fans love him. We, we love him. We miss the Virgin Bat dearly. Uh, yes. Dave, it's time to give a little bit of international shout-outs, and I'm very excited about these international shout-outs. Shout it. Uh, so let's start from... Uh, now, I, I do have to say I, I'm, I'm a little offended for the people here um, because, you know, uh, in my analytics, they divide it mm-hmm. into top cities and top countries, right? Oh, and okay. And in the top countries... Uh, they have listed Puerto Rico what? in countries. And that's not a country. It's a territory. It's a territory mm. of America. America. Okay? It should be in the cities, specifically what city in Puerto Rico for America. Okay? I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Just Fair enough. Fair enough. Just saying. I, I, can, I understand your frustration. Anyways... The real international, not part of America like Puerto Rico is, uh, international shout-outs here. Japan. Shout-out to Japan. Land of the rising... Yes, land of the rising sun. Uh, Italy. Shout-out to the boot, of course. Yes. Shout-out to Spain. Our España listeners. Yes. Shout out to France. Shout out out to France. Shout out to Russia. Yes. Shout out. Whole globe. This one we haven't had in a while. I'm excited. Egypt. Shout out to Egypt. Yes. Yeah. This one we haven't had either in a while. Shout out to Turkey. Shout out. Okay, Turkey. Shout out to Vanuatu out there in the Pacific. Vanuatu. Yeah, they're return customers. I'm excited. Um, shout out to India. Shout yeah. out. And lastly, now they really came in. I think I think a couple of uh, folks were maybe uh, catching back up, hadn't listened in a while. Uh, shout out to Ireland. Shout Ireland. Out, yes. They got close to Ireland. as many uh, listens as, as the United States. They were getting there. They were getting there. Let's go. A lot of makeup in, in Ireland. Thank you, guys. Not as much as Estee Lauder. But do do but you got close. Um, shout out to everybody, though. As you know, as I always say, guys, 
the international mm-hmm. listeners. Not that I'm 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 not down playing the domestic listens because I love all of our domestic listeners. Trust me. Of course. Shout out to Ashburn. Shout out to Peoria. Shout out to Kenner, Louisiana. Shout out to Boardman. All of you guys. Mountain View everywhere. But the internationals to know that there is somebody in another country like Turkey that's like you know what I'm gonna flip on the Doc G show for a little bit. Yeah, that means something. That gets me jazzed. Woo-hoo. That gets me yeah. jazzed. Really, really jazzed. To know that somebody's in India and they're like, you know what? Hmm. I'm going to flip on the Doc G show. What? What? Get out of town. Huh? That gets that gets me psyched right there. That gets me jazzed. So thank you guys. Shout out to all of you. I appreciate it very much. Shout we will continue out. to bring you the Doc G show as long as you continue to listen. Uh, yes. Dave, it's time for something we haven't done in a little bit. It is time for some news that doesn't suck. Yes. Yes. Always down for that. Things that don't suck. A list of consisting of Paul Rudd. And whatever the doc wants to say now. Yes. So, uh, Dave, Patrick Mertens. Patrick Mertens, mm-hmm. he's a 64-year-old custodian at Kimball Elementary School in Minnesota. Okay. All the kids like him. He's always on top of, of his job. That's right. Well, over the last couple of years, Patrick's had some health issues. He's uh, mm. he's had some kidney issues. In fact, mm-hmm. it, it started getting so bad he had to get dialysis. And oh, uh, dang. after several years, condition only getting worse. Only getting worse. Right. Well, along with Patrick, Aaron Durga, she also works at Kimball Elementary. She's a she's a, a school teacher there, and you know mm-hmm. she uh, she passes by Patrick every now and then. They talk uh, they talk to each other, and she knows Patrick mm-hmm. even better because Patrick's wife uh, runs the daycare center that Aaron's kids went to growing up. So. She's, um, she's pretty uh, w- familiar with Linda. Involved. Yeah, pretty familiar yeah. with Linda and Patrick uh, Mertens. Um, right. Well, so Patrick eventually found out that the dialysis was getting bad enough. He was going to have to have a kidney mm-hmm. transplant to actually see any type of, of positive effect on his condition. Oh, man. But when Aaron heard about this... Uh, she knew she was the person to do it. Say what? She said, mm-hmm. quote, I felt in my heart from the very beginning that this was my thing. Once I decided that, yes, I'm going to donate to Pat, it felt really good. So she went out and she found out that she was a match indeed for Patrick so she could donate. And she drove over to mm-hmm. his house to break the news. She didn't even have to say anything to him. Because all she was wearing was a giant shirt that said donor across the front of it. <laughs> there it is. Oh. There it is. Now the, That's awesome, man. The surgery went down at the end of this summer, uh, and both mm-hmm. of them have recovered completely. Uh, Patrick says things have truly turned around for him. He said as man. grateful as he is. So is he off of dialysis then? Yes. He said as grateful oh, as awesome. he is to return to his job and to be around his loved ones, he's most grateful for the amazing woman who was willing to make sure that he could do that. Aaron. There it is. There it is. Aaron oh, Durga. Oh, man. Making it happen. That doesn't, 
act like there's a little onion under your eyes. Man, I'll tell you what. You know who's worth a billion dollars? Awesome. Aaron. Aaron Durga is worth a billion dollars. Right there, man. Damn right. Making it happen for da- Patrick. Not, not, even a, not even a loved one. Not even a, 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 you know, a relative. Just a dude mm-hmm. that she likes. Just and a she, community member. Exactly. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to make this happen, Patrick. It's going to happen. And now Pat's living his life the best he can. There it is. You go, Aaron. You go. Man, more people need to be like her. Let's go. Need to be, man. Need to be. Okay. Now, are you ready to fail at the next birthday suit? Huh? <laughs> I am ready. I am mentally prepared Okay. To fail. I have given you 15%. Jeez. Okay. 15%. This is in literature. So, mm. literature. So, I mean, you know, I thought there was maybe a chance you've read one of, of her books in, in school. Okay. So, I said 15. Possibly. 15. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe you should have and you didn't. Who knows? <laughs> and I didn't. Um, <laughs> born five years after our first first birthday suit wear on December... Oh, jeez. <laughs> on December 16th, 1977... Uh, 19- Nuts, 19, 1775 in Hampshire, England. Our birthday suit wear was born to a family of wealthy wool merchants. Wool mm-hmm. merchants. At the age of eight, our birthday suit wear and her sister went to Oxford to be educated by Miss Anne Colley, but she had to go back mm-hmm. because of illness. She then went to Reading Abbey School in 1785 Mm -hmm. she started writing in her early teens she wrote three plays and then she started writing stories and poems as well around 1794 Mm -hmm. she wrote her most detailed work up to that point which was titled lady susan in 1797 she wrote what would become her most famous novels of her life pride and Mm -hmm. prejudice Nope. <laughs> <laughs> because of the time, she was not allowed to publish the books as a woman, so she had to pump, publish them anonymously. Oh, our birthday suit wear ended up publishing six books during her life. Sadly, our birthday mm-hmm. suit wear died uh, unknown from a very mysterious illness. A lot uh, think oh. that it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, Dang. She died largely unknown, but Richard Bentley bought the copyrights to her books and republished them. Mm -hmm. And since then, she has become a beloved author around the world. Miss Jane Austen. Jane Austen. I've heard heard the name. I just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I knew you'd I knew you would have heard the name. Jane Austen's hard not to not to have heard of. That's uh Right. You gotta really have your ears closed during English class not to have ever heard of Jane Austen. <laughs> um right. but yes, she uh sadly she I th- I think she uh she was even much younger than Beethoven when she died, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. She yep. she didn't uh yeah, she was only forty one when she died. Forty one. Um, there, there, there's some mixed reviews. Some think it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, a couple think it was uh, uh, Addison's disease. Actually, um, I've never so, heard of Addison. So there's, there's, uh, there, you know, there's. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm pretty positive JFK has had Addison's disease as well, which was some of his health issues. Um, so true. Anyways. 
she's now uh, credited with the great writer that mm. she was. Um, she uh, has become extremely famous over that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. obviously, yes, Pride and Prejudice was the uh, biggest book that she wrote. So happy birthday to Jane Austen, a pioneer as a female author. There we go. There we go. Uh, Dave, we are going to take a break, and we will be right back with none other than Ward Davis right here on the Doc G Show. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And this Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, I am very excited to have a terrific artist that just released his second album, Black Cats and Crows, less than a month ago, Mr. Ward Davis. Ward, how's it going, man? Man, it's going pretty good. Just, uh, you know, uh, trying to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, it did. It got cold recently. Just cold out of nowhere, too. It was like a warm fall, and then all of a sudden, boom, 30s. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it seems more and more like time goes on. And and 30s for Florida is not good for us down here. I cannot handle it. When it turns 30s down here, I just fall apart, which is... Oh, God, that's the whole reason to move to Florida. Exactly. No e 30s. Exactly, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you look at the temperature and you're like, 30? What? I didn't sign up for this. Nope. This is... <laughs> This is this is Virginia weather and above. I'm not for this. No, thank you. Yeah. Well, fairly. Uh, I want to. I wanted to mention first. You know, obviously, everybody's had to deal with this this pandemic, and uh, you uh, you got lucky in one way that you basically had finished up the recording for the new album right before the pandemic hit. So you you yeah. had basically everything finished as far as recording right it, dude it was the the last thing we did was uh, uh black hats and crows and we cut it on uh, february 28th mm -hmm. and um the day we recorded it i had a, a sinus infection and so my voice was a little raspier than normal but anyway um you know covid hit like two weeks later they shut everything down and you know we had deadlines to hit mm -hmm. um you know getting getting the record finished but um I just opted to not go back and redo my vocal and leave the, the sinus infection <laughs> throat on there. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, we were going to put some harmonies. We had considered it at mm -hmm. least, but we just decided, eh, no harmonies. Just, let's just mix it and put it out. So that's kind of what happened. It worked, man. It sounds good. Oh, thanks, man. It was, I, I remember the day we recorded it. You know, there's, there's times when you're, you know, you're sitting in your little, cubicle there and um i was playing piano and, and played it as we tracked it yeah and man i felt there was a really cool energy with the band and, and you can just feel it you know and mm -hmm. uh, i definitely felt it when we cut that one nice i i can only imagine myself in that situation because i hate sinus infections and i literally fall <laughs> apart when i get one and i'm just like ah, oh, i can't do anything ah, oh, my head hurts and the sinuses hurt and i don't want to do anything like nope ugh. well 
you know, and I treat my body like garbage, you know, touring <laughs> and, and just in general. And actually, I haven't had a cigarette in a month, which is uh, a pretty big feat for me. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to do a little bit better. But man, I'm I'm a, just I'm I'm like one breath away from a sinus infection <laughs> given moment. <laughs> I can't I can't stand them, man. They're the worst. It's like I always tell people it's it's like it's like the sunburn of an illness because it just it's just <laughs> it's just annoying. It just sits there and pokes you and just like, hey, I'm still here. Hey. This oh, is like yeah. just everything you do. You're just like, oh god, it's still there. Just annoying. Yeah. But uh, I want to talk more about the album. But first, I wanted to to take the the listeners back, give them a little backstory about Ward. Uh, you grew up in Arkansas, Monticello, Arkansas. Which mm-hmm. actually, I just I was just rewatching The Last Dance. And uh, that's not too far from where Scottie Pippen grew up. He grew up in yeah, he's from CrossFit, Ham- Hamburg, I think. I, Oh, Hamburg! Yeah, you're right, Hamburg. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, uh, right down there. I always get him and him and KT Oslin confused. He's from CrossFit. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, he's uh, Hamburg is uh, maybe it's an hour, a little over an hour, maybe from where I grew up. It's but it's considered Southeast Arkansas. Nice, nice. Well, so you you started you started playing piano uh, when you were eightish. Now, did you yeah. did you gravitate towards that, or was that lessons? Man, it was. My dad grew up real poor, and you know, he when he grew up, you know, he piano lessons weren't something that were available to him. Yeah, and uh, he was looking around to give us, you know, opportunities that he didn't have, and so he bought me and my sister an upright piano and put us in piano lessons. My, my sister, uh, my sister was actually better at it than me. She just quit. So. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it was just, it was one of those things where, I don't know, I, I think maybe he knew I had some kind of a musical something about me and he was trying to, to help me there. But it was, that, that was my dad just, you know, doing something for his kids. And that's how I ended up, you know, learning anything that I did. Nice. Now, now was he, was he musical or did he just appreciate music? He appreciated it. He, he didn't really play. He had a, uh, an old, um, honer guitar that he wanted to poke with him, uh, <laughs> nice. that, he, that he kept around. But yeah, he didn't, he didn't really play. I mean, I think he probably could have, you know, you can tell, but yeah, he just, he never did. He just wanted us to have that, that chance. And if it was something we wanted to do, he wanted us to be able to. Nice, nice. Now I heard uh, an album that got you really fired up around that time when you were growing up was the the Garth Brooks debut album because it because it, it yeah, featured man. a lot of piano, a lot of piano. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was an awkward, fairly awkward um, kid. I wore the, the huge, thick rimmed glasses. You know, also my dad had picked those up for me. <laughs> um, you know, Good so style. I was, I, yeah, I look like Jeffrey Palmer. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's not we, a look uh, that most people strive for. But you know. yeah, no, nothing worth the, the strapping buck that I've become. But, uh, <laughs> no, it was uh, it, I, you know, kids kind of picked on me, and I wasn't, you know, I was goofy. I was just like inherently goofy. And um, and man, I when Garth when that record came out, I, I learned it. My sister thought it was cool. And, and generally she's five years older than me. Anything she thought was cool. I thought was cool. Yeah. Know? But she also thought new kids on the block was cool, which, you know, so did I. 
But I started listening to that, and and I started wanting to, you know, learn how to play it. And that's actually how I developed my ear because I, I couldn't really read music very well. But anyway, I would play those songs, you know, at school and, and kids, uh, you know, the kids that were, you know, not I don't know if they were mean to me, but you know, however they were, to me, they stopped because they, you know, this dude's got the jams. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't not cool anymore. It wasn't that I was, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't somebody that was. I don't know. It was. I had an identity. I, I was guess. about to say you I, had your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now I heard you. I heard you talk about that before, as far as playing uh, the dance, like at the start yeah. of school one day, and a, a yeah. bunch of people hearing you play that. Was that was that yeah. like your first concert? You could say. No, I mean, maybe it was, you know, we, we were inside the uh, the auditorium because it was raining and mm-hmm. it was still before school started. And I just, there was a piano there and I started playing it. Um, and I, I just, at some point I realized that it was very, very dead silent in the, in the auditorium. And I was like, whoa, like, I, I, you know, I think it was a moment I realized that what music, how it affects people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that I could I could do that if, if that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, most people would be on that piano just making a lot of noise, and everybody would be like, "Please stop! Yes! That is annoying. <laughs> Get away from the piano." Oh, I mean that that's happened that happened more often than not. Like, normally, <laughs> nobody after that nobody cared. But <laughs> it's just the first time. Wow, that guy can play. Yeah. Okay, yeah, now first stop. Time, you're like, oh, I need, I need, a, I need a bigger audience. <laughs> well, before I move on uh, from childhood, I did notice two things that seemed that you've kept from childhood on your Instagram, and that would be Legos and He-Man. I noticed, <laughs> I noticed you're a fan of both. Sweet. Uh, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> man, it's, it's been a rough pandemic, man. Like, can, am I not allowed to go a little bit crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm more, I'm more of a Thundercats man. I came a little bit Dude, later. Are you kidding me? I, down, I downloaded season one yesterday. I'm not, yes. and it's because my kid, my kid was like, "Dad, can we have Thundercats?" And I was like, "Ah, you know, it's like twenty two dollars each. You can watch." It. Like, oh, I love Thundercats. And I was like, "You know what?" So do I. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're, I mean, Thundercats. Uh, you gotta, you gotta. Their emblem, just such a bad emblem. I mean, it's. Oh yeah. It's no. it's like Dodge basically stole that for their Hellcat logo. Like that's. Yeah, yeah, the Cougar. It's it's uh, wild, man. But but you seem yeah, to be more He Man. Are you more He Man? Would you say? Me personally, yes. I mean, if I had to, if I was gonna go into a into a battle to you know save the universe i'd want to be standing next to he-man and uh not lino i mean lino let's be honest he's pretty he's pretty weird he's a, a kitty all right <laughs> <laughs> but, and i mean he-man though the other thing me and my brother were actually talking about that the other day he's got a weird hairdo yeah. like somebody needed to tell that guy his like mullet bowl cut wasn't the best way to go about things. Like, just grow out a well, full mane. Come on, bro. Like, it's just. Well, I mean, in theory, <laughs> what you're saying makes sense, but you also have to remember he's He Man. He's going to be like, so He Man, what's up with your hair? <laughs> I mean, this guy, he's the most powerful man in the universe. You're going to tell him you don't like his hair? Well, I'm going to tell I'll him when like... he's not He Man, <laughs> when he's turned it back down to just the prince, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, hey, Adam. just casual, See, bro. Well, <laughs> you you got to think about his childhood, man. Like, he was raised thinking that. 
that he's the the son of the king and queen when actually he's like a man at arms and the and the sorcerers had this love child. And yeah. That's all he is. He's, he's <laughs> once he finds out, that's gonna really mess with his psyche. That's true. I don't wanna that's a delicate balance. You don't wanna go telling him about his hairdo when he's got that weighing on his mind. That's true. I'll let him go. Well, Ben, I, I gotta tell you, thank you for these questions because this is the first time in my life when this information has been useful. <laughs> uh, well, you know, every now and then you gotta throw in some things besides music. I mean, music is powerful, but every now and then when I see a He-Man, I'm gonna have to ask questions about the He-Man. And at the same well, time, the Legos, though, I you you well, seem entranced with that Lego set that you had. I think, man, if I'm being honest about all this, is I've, I've got three little girls here. I've got an eight year old, a five year old, and a two year old. Mm -hmm. And man, I'm a big forty one year old, uh, you know, country music singer, dude. Like I, I'm I, I'm always looking for ways to connect with my kids, you know, and, you know that I understand. So I started getting He Man, and we started watching He Man cartoons, and you know, now my kids. Uh, uh, or at least the the middle one, Amelia. She loves He Man. So I've got a, you know, they, they came out with these these new He Man, and so I bought all of them for her Christmas. You know, Santa's going to put them under the tree, and and we uh, our elf on the shelf actually last night uh, left a note on the table with a, a brand new box of frozen Legos. So we're going to do some frozen Lego building. Man, after a while, man, you you can converted a a, a modern child into he-man fan that's impressive that's a five-year-old girl yeah man that that puts a new aspect on the term girl dad you just you converted her into a fan of he-man she is gonna have some selling to do of her own when she goes to school and she's like hey guys trust me this is cool all right yeah. this is he-man it's cool you need to get yeah. into this stuff uh <laughs> with the the legos though i i gotta ask what what's your favorite type of like Lego design, what if you given a choice, what would you like to design in the Lego world? Um, you know what? Uh, it's actually kind of hard to find Legos that uh, are made for grown-ups. Mm -hmm. no, my, my wife just poured me a cup of coffee and looked at me like I'm stupid when I said that. <laughs> um, but no, um, yeah, man. Like I would like to see more. Um, you know, maybe like the pyramids. That might be a good yeah. one. Um, would, um, now, when you go when you go to like some like uh, monuments and things, they do have those because like my mom, she loves Legos, really? and she made like she made the 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 Capitol and the White House. I know she they they have like those I, as designed. Now I have seen you're right. I have seen some. Like I, you're you're right. I, I I don't think I've seen those, but I've seen like the New York skyline mm -hmm. and like some, some Chicago, I think. And, like the International Space Station, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'd like to see like the Mayan temples. That's yeah. a good one for me. Or, 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 uh, a little bit more know. architecturally easy. Just a, a sound. Can I say, can I say uh, Castle Grayskull? Yes. Yes. Put them together. <laughs> Bring the two joys together. That's the way to do it. Light bulb. I do. I mean, I do. That's my favorite in Legos is, is the medi medieval stuff, like the castle Legos. I mm -hmm. always love those yeah. towns. It was awesome. Anyways, now that I've completely derailed on Legos and He-Man, I'm going to jump back into music. Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> you, so after, uh, after childhood, you moved to Nashville in 2000, 
And yeah. I got to ask, were you, were you realistic when you went to Nashville, or were you like, okay, so it should be a, a week or so, and I'll be proclaimed the next Jimmy Rogers, Johnny Cash, Sweet. and then I'll oh, be famous from then on. George. I was going to be George Strait. I was going to be like what would happen if George Strait and Garth Brooks got together and put their success together and combined it. Wow. That was going to be, I was going to be, uh, they, no, I had no clue, unless you... I've known a lot of people that have grown up in the business. Mm-hmm. And I think unless you uh, unless you are just born into it, you know, there's no way you can understand it. Like you know, there was a lot of times when I was you know in that world um, where it was really hard on me, and you know, I second guessed every decision I'd ever made. You know, you just couldn't get anything going. But uh, I learned a lot, man. I learned a lot about how you know not, not just the business, but the, the creation of music. You know, like the the, the recording. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking earlier about you know being in the studio. It's, man, I love going in the studio, but there was a time when it was terrifying, and I was stupid. I didn't know how to communicate. Like it was, it was really hard. Yeah, but it, it was. Uh, I was I was completely naive when I when I got there. I, I didn't. I thought it would be easy. Well, I mean, you know, you you've made it uh, a little bit. Uh, I, I think better than Garth. I mean, Garth went there for uh, a day and turned around and went back to Oklahoma for two more years before he came back. So, I mean, you, you know, know, I've never, I've never, it's never been really easy on me to cut my losses. You know, like I've, you know, I think as long as you're breathing, you're still, there's some fight left. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of times, every time, literally every time I would try to give up, something would happen. And I would be like, I got to give this a little bit more time. Yeah. Well, like when you were when you were hustling, uh, you know, trying to get those songs written, trying to make deals, uh, you obviously have low points. I mean, uh, Willie Nelson, he he famously laid down in the middle of, of Broadway uh, in the middle mm-hmm. of one of his low points. Like, did you can you remember one of those specific low points that you had that you were just like, what 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 is this? What, what's what's going on? What am I doing here? Man, I've been married three times, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, when I think, there, God, there's so many. There was, I remember one night, um, I, don't, I think it was before I was ever married. You go downtown and, man, you're surrounded by all these really, really successful people, you know. You mm-hmm. all hang out the same clicks and you're friends with them and um you just you realize that uh, everybody's having drinks and you don't have twenty dollars in your bank account which is you're you're willing to overdraw it just so you can hang out and maybe make a connection or, or gain somebody's respect or, or just get get them to pay attention to you yeah and and that it, just, it never works it's like you know and when you're as naive as i was you know i didn't know anybody and um <laughs> Man, there were just so many. I I really can't I can't put my hand on like my finger on yeah. one that was just like that where, pivotal where, I, where you just sort of broke it for a little bit and you were just like you know what I've got one I'll tell you one. So <laughs> the week before, well it was it wasn't that long ago man it was um, the week before I turned thirty five I was married to my my ex wife and um, I had man I had just exhausted I, I I had gotten into business with some friends of mine and they were you know they had started a publishing company for me and we've been doing that for a couple of years mm-hmm. and you know early on it looked like we might get some stuff going but then the longer we went it it was becoming apparent to me that I wasn't going to be able to sustain a living with that company any longer 
yeah. in good conscience. No, I was just going to, they were going to lose money on me and I didn't, they were friends and I didn't want them doing that. So I, I remember telling my ex-wife, I said, you know, uh, and this is the week before I turned 35. I said, you know, I've given this a, a lot of my life. And I said, I've lived a very charmed 35 years. Mm-hmm. And it's been really cool. You know, I've got, you know, I got, I got to have a conversation with Garth Brooks about, you know, <laughs> playing piano in yeah. the, in the auditorium. And I've, you know, got to hear my songs on, you know, like the Jimmy Kimmel show and, and, uh, you know, Trace Atkins had recorded one of my songs, Sammy Kershaw. And, yeah. You know, I'd, and I'd gotten to tour the, the country with, uh, playing keyboards for a friend. I got to play on stage at the Opry. You know, I had a really, really charmed existence. No, no real big feathers in my cap. Yeah. I said, but, you know, I said, I'm going to, I said, I'm, I'm going to start measuring my life differently after I turn 35. Um, I said, I, I think I want to cut a record. I said, I think, uh, I want to start, I want to give up on the, Nashville songwriting game. I think I want to go find a, a few places to play, and I think if I can, you know, sell a few of those records and get two or three hundred dollars a night, you know, I'll be able to make a living. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be easy, but I can build a little, you know, five, ten, twelve city circuit or something that I just go through constantly. Yeah. And so uh, Monday, I got a call that Willie Nelson and Bill Haggard <laughs> one of my songs. Nice. <laughs> so I turned. 35 on the ninth. it was the day it was the day i started measuring my life differently that's what happened but it was a man it was a big uh it was a big sign that i'd made the right call like do your record do your thing man nashville ain't listening man these these old guys you got the i got the i got the nod from willie nelson and merle haggard yeah I, i don't think there's a there's a bigger direction to go in and so for sure. I started, uh, you know, I started a lot of like-minded people as opposed to the, you know, the swill down on, on Music Row. Uh, you know, met Cody James, met Whitey Morgan, and, yeah. uh, you know, reconnected with old friends that had, had gone that route. Man, it's it, it, that that moment where I was like, I give up, turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And it generally works like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I thought about that, like looking over your 15 years in Nashville, trying to write and publish songs. uh, And like you said, you'd had success in there. You'd had other things. uh, But it was very similar to to Willie and Waylon, the way they were in Nashville, the way that nobody really accepted them, the way they didn't really break through. And basically, they had to, you know, not accept Nashville and say, all right, I'm going to do something different before they actually had, you know, their real success. Do you ever think of yeah. that while you were doing it? Like, this is like Willie. I'm, I'm doing No, uh, man, I never did. I mean, I guess there was some to think that, uh, you know, the guys that I, I, I wasn't trying to get the respect of the guys that I respected, you know, mm-hmm. for all those years. I was trying to get the respect of the guys that held the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was just doing it wrong. And uh, I, when I met, I, I didn't know, I thought that that would give me just enough credibility to open a few extra doors. And it did, really. But man, meeting, meeting Jinx and seeing how his fan base his his crowd his popularity whatever you want to call it yeah had grown just based on him doing what he did was a super big eye-opener for me like it was like oh god like i really don't have to write songs that uh that are catchy you know i don't have to to write like you know hit songs like 
Yeah. You know, what they want you to write. Yeah. I could I can write real songs. I can yeah. write good songs. Like, whoa, this is amazing. And look at all these people. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, so it, it you know, I, Cody probably taught me more about that than Willie, but it's it is that thing, man. It's it's just like give up. Nice. Do what you want. Like and I guess maybe it had a lot to do with realizing that I was probably about halfway through my life when I turned thirty five, you know, like we all get one shot at life, you know. Why am I going to do live it doing something that makes me miserable? Yeah, and that's where I was. So nice. I re- I really like that, you know. As opposed to writing two hundred songs a year, now I write like ten. Yeah, uh, but I love that man. Like nice. As opposed to a publisher telling me that we need more Kenny Chesney songs. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so disheartened. That well, you mentioned. I mean, obviously that that pivotal point. Uh, if, if hearing that your song that you wrote with Marla, uh, "Unfair Weather Friend," was was Man. picked up by Willie and Merle. How, how how you? I mean, you said you. How did you find out about it? Did they just call you up and like, hey, by the way, these guys are doing your song? Well, you mentioned you mentioned Marla. Then uh, um, Marla Cannon, Melanie Cannon, uh, her her dad, buddy sister she had a sister and her mm-hmm. mom you know some they were some of the first people i met when i came to town nice yeah i love those people just love them mm-hmm. like another family i'm actually i can uh there's a empty bottle of jaeger down by my fire pit right now that melanie left here <laughs> 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 but these uh man these people always they always rooted for me they were always we were always close i'd go to thanksgiving and labor day and just we hung out a lot um i used to play for this guy named ray scott mm-hmm. and ray's ray's ex-wife was uh is buddy cannon's assistant mm. and she she's also she she fell right into that that pile these people were like my family mm-hmm. and so buddy had told marla that they needed this was i think 2000 well, mm-hmm. he had told Marla that he needed a song for Cheryl Crow and Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. And so uh, me and Marla sat down and we wrote Unfair Weather Friends like for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, it wasn't, we, we knew going into it that we weren't trying to write a song that was going to make us a lot of money. You know, we knew we were trying to write a song that was, that was heartful, you yeah. know, that had you know, a, a song about friendship, you know, like mm-hmm. what, what greater than that so we did and and we sent it to her her dad buddy who was producing that record and that day he was in the studio with kenny chesney mm-hmm. and uh he played it for kenny and kenny loved it mm-hmm. and said hey would you mind would you mind holding on to this song for us and we said you know sure <laughs> kenny and uh, you know i'd love to hold my own house are you kidding me <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> so anyway i uh Yada yada yada. They never sent it to Willie. Yeah. Um, yada yada yada. Kenny Chesney never cut it. Willie, <laughs> Cheryl Crow found another song, and here we are with this song. And so I'd heard that William Merle were doing another record, and so I called Marla and I said, "Hey, I think we ought to run this song up the flagpole again with your dad because I remember he really liked it." Yeah. And she said, "She said, yeah, you're right." And so she sent it to him, and I think we had to change one line. Um, 
just to make it for two men singing as opposed to a man and a woman. Right. And Willie loved it, and I knew it was going to Austin. I knew that it was going down there, but it, it all fell. It all came down to Merle. Like, what did Merle think of it? Yeah. Song? And so I, you know, I knew they were in the studio. I knew it might get cut. You know, might. You know, might's on a dog. Then that that, <laughs> that happens a lot in Nashville. <laughs> and so I was, I was pretty. I was surely prepared that it wasn't going to get cut. Yeah. Uh, Shannon Scott raised, uh, she's got a new last name, but she texted me. I got three texts. One said, Ward, they are charting your song. Nice. Which, by the way, that chart's hanging on my wall in my house right now. Nice. And it's got, and it's got William and Merle signature on it. The, uh, the, the first one said, Ward, they're charting your song. The second one said, Ward, they're tracking your song. And the third one was a video she had taken with her phone in the control room, and I could hear Willie singing the, the verse of it. And oh, that's cool. I just, dude, I just started crying. I mean, just, just yeah. weeping. I think I cried for about two days. <laughs> and, then Mar- and then Marla called me, and I was already crying, and then she started crying. <laughs> Man, that yeah. that was, is, that is, do you still have that video? Uh, God, I don't know. I went through a divorce, and Oh man, the divorce claims another casualty. Oh jeez. Oh dude, I'll tell you what I got that's even better. While they were recording that record, uh Sony had a film crew in that. You can get on you can get on Facebook and mm-hmm. uh go on Willie Nelson's Facebook page and there's a video of the making of the of the record and it's 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 a video of Willie and Merle singing it and tracking it. It's, yeah. it's all there. There you go. The H D quality too. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well I mean something super cool about that uh that song too. I mean all of that is phenomenal. But also full circle back to you playing the dance. The dance mm-hmm. was written by Tony Arata and mm-hmm. you got you got to find out what Tony thought of your song, which he thought it was super awesome, which yeah, yeah, like how, I mean, how that that's that's I, like I tried to think of something that would be like a parallel for me, and like the best thing I could think of was like me running into David Letterman and he he being like, yeah, listen to your show, it's amazing. I listen to it yeah. every day. <laughs> like I mean, how did that feel knowing that this guy that wrote this song that's one of you know a, a huge part in your life thinks that your song was amazing it, man it was i was talking to my my friend Greg the other day about this it's the second like I, it is I, I don't even want to say it's second but it's it's one of the two things that william recorded my song and tony arada sending me an email about my record and yeah. telling me how much he loved my uh, unfair weather friend those two things, man. Like I, I don't know. I'm. I mean, that's the, the dance is just. You know, it can be argued that it's the greatest song, the greatest country song ever written. I mean, it's yeah. up there. It's, yeah. It's just a, or just the greatest song. It's just such a beautiful, perfect thing. Mm-hmm. And um, Tony is such a man. He's such a wonderful guy, by the way. I, I just, I was, you know, I used to hang out with. Uh, with him and, and a couple of other old guys, Pat Alger and uh, this guy named Paul Lux and mm-hmm. just old industry guys, old songwriter guys. And, you know, I didn't want to, I, I think at that stage in my life, I'd realize that tooting my own horn wouldn't get me anywhere. <laughs> uh, just, just, you know, hanging out and listening and learning. 
uh, enjoying the company of the of the coolest dudes in the world. Yeah, know, that was enough. And uh, man, for him to he he just you know he walked in and he said. I had this stack of records. It was the day that I picked up the CDs for 15 years in a 10-year town. And uh, Pat Alger and I had written that song. And yeah. I wanted him to have some copies. And Tony came in and sat down. And I, he said, what do you got there? And I slid it to him. He got it and he looked at it. And he said, oh, cool. And I slid it back. Uh, I said, oh, man, take one. I got I got a whole box of them in the car, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Thinking, thinking the whole time, like, well, you can't be giving CDs away, man. You got to make a list. <laughs> yeah, Scott, <laughs> but, uh, if you could slide me $5 anyway, back for that, that'd be cool, though. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Five, hell, ten. <laughs> no, he, uh, I slid it back, and I said, no, nah, man, take one. I'd, I'd love for you to have one. He said, oh, cool, and he tore the cellophane off of it. He yeah. Looking through it. He slammed it, you know, he shut it real hard, and he said, wait, he said, you really unfair weather friend? I said, yeah, me and Marla. And he stood up, and he said, all right. He said, I got to get out of here. I didn't know I was sitting next to a genius. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, Tony, are you kidding me? Like, sit your f***ing on, man. That is, you're crazy. Like, sit. I was like, oh, he's bored, bored. And he just went on and on about it. And, man. Uh, man, it just, it, you know, it's. That gives you. I that, don't think. That gives you fuel for the rest of your career, man. I mean, at least it. W I mean, it does, man. you just every time something goes down, you're like one of the one of the best. Thought that my song's the best. Like, I mean, that's that's about as good as it gets, right there. That's. I hear, man. I'll hear that. Sometimes I'll hear on a fairway, man, like on a jukebox. Somebody will, you know, where, around where I'm playing or something, and mm -hmm. it'll pop up on my wife's iTunes. Uh, Man, it's still really hard to believe that happened. Like, it, it really is. Like, I, I remember the day we wrote it. I remember very vividly that, um, what, what the weather was. It was, it was like this beautiful fall day. There were leaves blowing in our yard. Like, I remember writing the words down. I remember playing them. I remember playing the chords. It's still hard to believe, man. Like, yeah. I just can't believe that Willie Nelson and Will Haggard recorded something that I was anywhere near. Well, and not, uh, not only that, but, but Merle chose that song before he passed away to be played at his funeral. He did. That yeah, I was with one of the songs. I mean, how many? There's probably what only like what ten songs, twelve songs that they played or something like. Well, that? they had there was yeah, it was something like that. There was I think there were five or six songs that were actually performed, um, and then there were five or six more that they just they played. Man. Um, but yeah, I was uh, I was in Stevensville, Texas, doing a show that night with uh, Cody Jink. Uh, it was our third or fourth show together. Yeah, uh, and Marla called me, and I walked around the. And you know, she told me, and, and you know, it just took my. You know, it's like a kick in the gut. Like you know, it was. Yeah. Everybody was already really bummed about you know about Merle passing away. And yeah. Then to get a call like that, that like one of the last. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's dude it's it's complete but anyway i walked around the corner and cody was standing there and he was like Are you okay and i'm like no <laughs> no <laughs> i told him it was yeah it's something man i i that's a it's a weird thing to think about that he chose that for his for his uh well, but mean, at the same time man it's it's very cool that like man if i got if i did something that that took 10 seconds of, of Merle Haggard's thoughts, you know, that's pretty special that, that, you know, somebody, somebody as great as that, man, to have just a little moment of their life 
that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, you think? I mean, just those three: Tony, Willie, and Merle. That song touched that much of them, all three of them, that they thought so much of that. That is super cool to know that you did yeah. that. Like that is, I mean, something like you said that makes that 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 fuels the career to me for for the rest of my life. I mean, if if that's me, for sure. For sure. I mean, I got no what, like, and that's I tell people like, well, I don't really, I don't really have to. I can go get a job, you know, if I want to. If I if I just want to make money, like, I can just go make money. Yeah. Um, I'm never gonna top that creatively, like. So, but but what it does do is it gives me the like the comfort zone of like, you know what? If, if I'm gonna make music. Like nobody's ever going to be able to say that Ward Davis isn't a songwriter. You yeah, know? And, you're doing something because, right. Yeah, yeah, and and so even if they don't like it, they won't be able to say I'm not a songwriter. And that's that's a really that's a load off your back. You know, it's it just it makes it that much easier to to be creative and to be honest in in your in your craft. And it's 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 a load off for sure. For sure, I've made made the 15 years almost worth it. I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's made, yeah, it would, and and, the, and and I guess the twenty before I got there too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned it. I mean, as far as as Cody playing such a large role in you finding your sort of solo career, how how to how to transverse that that world of doing your own thing, and you mentioned him being there on the uh, the day that you found out uh, that they played your song at Merle's uh, funeral. And that was that yeah. was the same day that you asked Cody if he wanted to write together, right? Yeah, he was he was helping they were loading his trailer. He was he, I mean he was he was loading he was still in the days when he was loading his own shit. Yeah. Uh he uh I was just standing there, I was gonna come over and say you know, you know, see you next week or whatever. And I just, uh, I was like, hey, I was like, hey, you want to try to write a song sometime? And he was like, you think? <laughs> that's what he said. And I was like, yeah, man. And so, you know, a couple months after that's when he called me and invited me to come down to, uh, actually didn't, and in, in, he invited me, but then he bought my plane ticket. And, that's always, uh, that's always nice. That's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he flew me down to El Paso and um, went out to that studio in the, in the middle of the desert. And, yeah. Uh, Sat on the back porch of a of a, a bunkhouse and wrote "I'm Not the Devil," which turned out to be, you know, as far as uh, you know, songs in my in my career that are, you know, monumental. It's, I mean, it's as big career wise as as "Unfair Weather Friend" was, maybe bigger. Even. Yeah, yeah. Now that was that was the first song that you guys wrote together. Yeah, yeah. We um, I had the idea. I brought it. Um, I remember having the idea and thinking, man, if, if me and Cody ever write, this is the one I, I want to write with him. Nice, nice. And, uh, you know, it didn't. We wrote it. Took us about, I don't know, maybe an hour at the most. We went back in the. We went around the, the side of the house there, and the, the band was waiting for us. They were ready to go in and start <laughs> recording again. Uh, Cody's manager and his producer were standing next to each other. I, I had one leg propped up on a on a chair and I was actually facing the studio mm-hmm. um, and I had my leg propped up on a chair and my guitar resting on my leg and I was playing it and Cody was reading it and singing it but I was facing away from the band and away from everybody away yeah. from Cody but I could see their reflection in the window 
And uh, as soon as Cody got done with that first verse, I saw the producer and the manager look at each other and smile and nod. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's much better than them looking at each other like, we got to cut this. This is bad. Uh, Get out yeah, of not, another, not another wall. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I that that led to you guys touring. You guys toured. Uh, you opened for him on the Lifer tour, and uh, you. I mean, you got to do so many cool things there too. You got to uh, play on Conan Conan O'Brien, and you got to. Uh, yeah, that was. I mean, yeah, that, Cody calls. Cody calls and says, "Hey, man, you want to go on Conan O'Brien and play? I'm not the devil." And I was like. You seriously calling and asking me? You think? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, absolutely. And and man, you got to understand something else. Like, I thought I was like, you know, I thought I was getting away with something. I feel like I tricked everybody into being there. Like these, like these guys don't even know I'm not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I watched, I watched you perform uh, "I'm Not the Devil" with Cody at the Ryman, and it's funny because you have that look. You are exuding that in the way that you're on stage. You're like, oh man, if they find out that I'm not supposed to be here, like you've just got this look. Like I can't believe that they're letting me up here. This is crazy. Like you just look so Dude, happy about doing it, man. Well, it is, man. And like you know, me and Cody and I, um, Cody and I, like we we enjoy riding together. Like we're 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 friends, and we're we've. We've got a real honest relationship. You know, Cody's been around um, not very long in my life, you know, about five years, but uh, but also, man, a very, uh, very important five years, you know. Yeah. Um, but he, he's been there, and we, we got real close real fast, man. We became great friends and still are. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's it never surprises me when we write a song that we like. <laughs> Yeah, it always surprises. It always surprises me when everybody else likes it. I guess. <laughs> what, do Do you ever see yourself, uh, you know, doing doing a, a a Merle and Willie type album with Cody? You see yourselves being the outlaws, the the two the twenty twenty outlaws. You know, if if I were if I were on Cody's level, maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think you know Willie and Merle were. You know William Merle. Yeah. Um, you know Cody's Cody, and I'm still. You know, I'm, I'm. Things have grown a lot over the last couple of years, especially, and this this album has has done even more to you know, uh, you know, grow my brand and my and and my audience. But you know, Cody's on man. He's in the stratosphere right now. I don't. It's like here's, here's a new Cody Jinx album with that other dude that, with with the beard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so what you're saying is let black cats and crows marinate a little bit, get a little more popular, yeah, and then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like like I said, man, I hadn't smoked in a month. And I'm hoping to live a, at least a little bit longer, man. I, at some point, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. I would love to do a record with Cody. But, nice. Um, I'm he's. I know he's enjoying. I'm enjoying where he is right now, and, and me, me too. Um, yeah. And plus, man, that guy's already done so much for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, at some point, I gotta get off the, get off his teeth. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the the newest album. So, uh, Black Cats and Crows, you just released it last month. Uh, starts off 
So the title track starts off with the uplifting lyrics of Every Day is Just Another Day to Die, which, you know. Did you start, was that the first song that you wrote on the album, or uh, did you have other oh, tracks? No. Oh, gosh, that was the last song I wrote for the album. I, man, I can't, I don't write. I don't write albums. I can't. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. I write. I'm a songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, Separate chapters. These songs. Yeah. Sorry, I just put a piece of nicorette in my mouth. Um, <laughs> Keep we, it um, off. We've got another month. Yeah. Another month. Yeah. So, um, the oldest song on this record is about 16 years old. Mm, wow. Um, these are not, for the most part, uh, you know, Sound of Chains is in the last few years, you know, Black Cats and Crows, uh, Nobody is, is, you know, three or four years old, I think. But man, What's, a lot what's of this the 16-year-old one? Man, um, uh, Heaven Had a Hand in This, I think, is going to be the oldest one. There's a couple on there that I wrote that year. Uh, wow. Heaven Had a Hand in This, Good to Say Goodbye, Ain't Gonna Be Today. Those are all 15, 16-year-old songs. So they've been um, crafted. They've been... Uh... They've been manipulated over the years. Yeah, man, and these are songs that I that I wrote with the, the writers I wrote them with are just extraordinarily successful guys. You know, um, and as far as the community in Nashville goes, they were the cream of the crop. Yeah, hit, hit songer. But they were also, um, you know, they were also older than me and had lived more and had seen more. And you know, some of these songs that we wrote, like I didn't necessarily understand how the how the story was going to end in my life i knew you know a little you know there's a song on there good to say goodbye that i wrote with uh carrie kurt phillips mm -hmm. and you know i only had i think i only had any real perspective on the first verse of that song mm -hmm. and carrie kurt carrie kurt uh we wrote it together you know i helped him rhyme mm -hmm. but he was the one that put the heart in that and a lot of that song like i ended up living um you know thank god not all of it but you know, I had to I had to live my life to even understand the stuff that I wrote yeah. fifteen years ago. Yeah. Uh, but once you once you hear it, it's like uh, it's like oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, heaven had a hand in this. I wrote the day after I had this huge fight with my first wife, and that song meant nothing to me, like <laughs> nothing to me for years and years and years, and then. One day I listened to it, and I hadn't listened to it in, in forever. And, man, I listened to the words, and I thought about my, my kids, yeah. thought about my daughter. And I was like, oh, so that's what this song's about. <laughs> it, it's amazing how songs do that, how they take on a whole nother shape after, you know, several years. You go back, you listen to it, and you're like, oh. And, I mean... Maybe maybe the writer didn't even mean to put that in there, you know, but it yeah. obviously means that to you and it, it, it shapes that idea in your head. It's there's a Garth Brooks song that, you know, and of course being a little kid, I was the first one in line to get those tapes when they came out. Mm -hmm. But there was a song on uh he put out called uh, Learning to Live Again. Mm -hmm. And it's uh it's a song about, you know, a guy that's been divorced. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I always love the song growing up. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's a Garth song. Of course yeah. I, love it. I love everything he does. Shut up, Walter. <laughs> uh, I got a puppy. My wife wanted a puppy. Yeah, I hear you. Go choose something. It's funny. Oh, we were, boy, we were just talking uh, about that uh, last week with the guest I had on, Alan. Uh, he had a dog named Tony, and I was telling him how much I love dogs that have just regular human names. So... 
Wal- Walt's a good name. I like that. Walt- oh, yeah, Walter Walter Levi Davis. Stop <laughs> biting me. Come here. But anyway, yeah, I get you know. I guess what I was getting at is like it's not necessarily that. Even though I wrote this song, it was um you know it's it's like that you you don't really know what it's about until you. Yeah, for sure. For well, you you mentioned this uh, sound of chains, which uh, Mm. features an artist. I I don't think people would think they would find on your album. Uh, It's got (laughs) it's got Scott Ian uh, from Anthrax, and I I gotta ask how how did Scott make it on this song? Because it doesn't seem like something that you'd just be like, hey, let's call up Scott uh, Ian from Anthrax and see if he wants to jam on this. Well, obviously, Scott's a big fan of mine. He's following my career. <laughs> of course, of course, number one. No, man, that's 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 synchronicity and friendship. Um, so um, the day that Cody, the day that we played Conan O'Brien, mm-hmm. um, the day that Cody played Conan O'Brien, I thought him to let me come. <laughs> um, I've got a I've got a buddy out there in in L.A. His name is W. Earl Brown. Mm-hmm. And he's a uh, he's a great character actor. Yeah. Um, did you ever see Deadwood? Yeah. The show Deadwood. Mm-hmm. So he was on Deadwood. He was on uh, I don't know. God, he's been on a ton of stuff, man. But anyway, uh, he was Mary's brother in something about Mary. <laughs> nice. Weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, several years ago, I'd gone out there on the Fourth of July, and uh, he's friends with Jerry Cantrell the guitar player for Alice in Chains. Very cool. And we had gone to Jerry Cantrell's 4th of July party. <laughs> and uh, so I knew that he was friends with him, and he lived right down the street from where they did the recorded the Conan O'Brien show. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I told him we were going to be in town, and, you know, I'd love for you to meet Cody. And, you know, I'd already told Cody about Earl. And yeah. uh, he said, well, why don't you just come to dinner? Um after the after you do Conan, we'll have some Mexican food. And I said, "Cool, yeah, sounds good." So he um, ended up. Uh, I said, "Hey, y'all to invite Jim Cantrell because Cody's a big uh, heavy metal fan." Yeah, thrash metal. And he said, "Thrash metal." He's like, "He uh, he likes Scott Ian. He likes Anthrax." I was like, "Yeah, that's his favorite." <laughs> well, but Scott. So anyway, Scott ended up coming, uh, coming to dinner with his uh, with his wife Pearl, and we just became friends. And uh, when we recorded Sound of Chains, uh, Pearl and I co-wrote Threads on the record. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when we recorded Sound of Chains, I wanted some big girl background vocals, like mm-hmm. knocking on heaven's doors. Yeah. And the only person I know that has sang backup for a metal band is Pearl, who sang backup for Molly Kane back in the day. Nice. So I asked her if she'd mind doing some harmony on it. She said, sure. And I said, well, while y'all got the track, Scott, if you want to throw some guitar on there, man, feel free. And he's like, oh, cool, yeah, man, I'd love to play on a country record. <laughs> and so that, that's just kind of how it happened. Man. He, he was being nice, and she was being nice, and just, uh, you know, they're, he's a, he's like a huge rock star, but he's really normal and really cool. Yeah, he he seems he seems he seems very down down to earth. Yeah. Well, how how would you say uh, this album? Because you know it's it's been it's been now five years from the last album. How would you say it compares to to fifteen years in a ten year town? So, I don't consider this my second album. I consider it my first album. Hmm. Um, I mean, I know that fifteen years was an album, 
Um, <laughs> I'm aware but, it was an album. Yes, <laughs> but it, you know, it was on a it was on a shoestring budget. I did, you know, there's so many favors and so many friends, and like you know, Mickey Raphael played on my on that whole record on the 15 years record. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willie's harmonica player. Yeah, man, I can't even tell you how much he charged me because it was so embarrassingly low that <laughs> it would ruin his reputation. <laughs> But I, I ended up, it was all these favors of people that, you know, like, wanted to help me. I told them what I was doing. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of, I just need an album. Yeah. And uh, I did it on a shoestring budget with a very, I was going to go out and be an acoustic background music, and I needed an acoustic background music album. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. You know, this one, this one was the one where I got the band in there, and, you know, spent time on arranging it and, uh, you know, the, the picking the songs was the most, oh, God, I'm just so <laughs> glad we finally figured out which ones we were going to put on it because it was driving me crazy. How many How um, many did you start out with as far as, you know, whittling it down? In the last four and a half years, I think I recorded about 33 songs. I think that's right. Wow. Um, you know, we ended up putting, putting the Asunder EP out just because those songs right there that we recorded were very specific to my life at that point yeah um and i didn't want them to get lost in the shuffle um but this it i really this is i mean i don't think the two can be compared you know one is from one chapter it's like 15 years was the end of one chapter and the beginning of another in my life and my career and the way i saw myself as a as a you know what my contribution to the world would be yeah the second one is just like you know what? This is the one. This is the one that everybody's going. This is everybody's first impression of me because yeah. everybody up to this point found out about me by accident. And this one, this one, you got to focus on. This one, you got to put the the time, the effort. Had a little bit more money, I'm guessing, to do it. So <laughs> I guess I did. I was making more money. Like my business was making more money. I was necessarily, but <laughs> uh, you know, I was spending more. You know, my budget was better you know but we ended up cutting so many like i mean it's been a ton of money i don't even know how much honestly yeah but uh i thought the record was finished three or four times before it was actually finished <laughs> uh my manager kept calling i'd send him a new song and he'd be like you gotta put that on the record i'm like no 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 it's done well i gotta i gotta say it, it came out it came out fantastic man yes! I, I love it it's a it's an awesome album black cats and crows uh sound of chains and uh get to work whiskey i think those are my favorite uh three songs uh it's right oh cool man I, 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 sound of chains is my favorite uh if, if i was gonna pick one and it's only because i didn't write it about me i wrote it you know yeah was, we made it up yeah <laughs> the rest of them you know I, there's at least the ones I wrote, there's all a, a whole lot of me on. For sure. For sure. Well, it is it is a phenomenal album. I think we need to take a listen to one of the songs right now. But, uh, Ward, we are up against a break, man. I want to thank you for taking so much time to talk with us today. Oh, dude, thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me ramble so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got, I got a deal for you. If you can tell me that you're going to get one of those hand lyric guitars again on your website... I will buy you any Legos you want in trade for it if you want to go in on that trade. Oh gosh, no kidding! I have eight guitars in my 
in front of my Christmas tree right now. Um, they're stacked. They're in boxes, you know, but they're stacked accordingly to keep the dog out of there. The puppy. <laughs> but yeah, I've got I've got eight that I've got to. They're gonna put them up on the website and then tell me which lyrics to do uh, as they get the order. So oh but yeah, man. eight more. Nice, nice. I, I'm gonna keep an eye out for it. I'm I'm getting one. It's going up in the studio, man. I can't wait. Oh God, man. Hit the. Uh, I don't know who booked this, uh, but yeah, just hit me up. Send me your address. I'll get you one. <laughs> well, you know, if you if if I get that guitar, there are Legos coming your way. I'm gonna get you. Okay. And it's gonna. I'm gonna find a Mayan. A Mayan temple <laughs> Legos. It's gonna happen. I don't know if He Man. I, I don't think I can promise He Man. That's a, well, well. Here's the deal. Like the, the Mayan temple is like the, the no brainer because the heads on the Lego people pop right off anyway. <laughs> sacrifice them to the gods and roll them down the steps of the temple. It's so easy. You just stack them right on top of each other. Here's all of our stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're headless little Lego bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you can check out all things Ward Davis at warddavismusic.com or you can follow him on Instagram. Check out those Legos and He-Man at Ward Davis Music. Right now, let's take a listen to me and Ward's favorite off of uh, Black Cats and Crows. Let's take a listen to Sound of Chains right here on the Doc G Show.
the Doc a G a show Ward Davis. Oh my God, I told you that was going to be good. I am. Told you it was going to be good. Yes, sir, you did. Very excited did. about that. Such a nice guy, Ward. Such a nice guy, and I mean, a, humble. A, yeah. a guy I can aspire to be with my beard and hair. Word. You know, just one day, one day. I mean, just keep not if, if, not shaving. Well, I was about to say, I was gonna <laughs> ask you. We just we talk so much about other things. I didn't have time to to ask him, but it does look like at some point he was just like, you know what? Nah, that's right. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's pretty much waste of and time. And it's pretty impressive too, because you go back just like ten years ago, his beard wasn't mm-hmm. anywhere close to as full as it is now. Like. I feel like he just unleashed the chains when he was like, I'm not going to shave anymore. All of a sudden, it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I've got the power and just came <laughs> out. Like, it's impressive. Oh, yeah, I see. And, I see. And, uh, I mean, you know, also, I got to say, I told my dad this, too, when I was talking to my dad about this. Uh, it's mm-hmm. impressive that he got his 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 little girl to love He-Man. Like, a yes. little curl yes. in 2020 to be like, yes, He-Man is cool. Like, what? <laughs> who who can yeah, sell... Like anything else. Who can sell a little girl in 2020 on He-Man? That's impressive. That is impressive. But folks, if you haven't, go out and get it. Ward Davis, you need to. Good album. Fantastic. Do it. Fantastic artist, fantastic musician, songwriter. Just can't say enough about him. Hope he comes back. When we when we get this this uh, vaccine fully distributed, I, I can't wait until he's in the studio. It's going to be fantastic. I know, man. We're going to get him right here if Speaking we can. Speaking the studio... I saw, and previous guests, I saw Tropodelic was in Jacksonville mm-hmm. um, the other mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. They were at uh, 1904 Music Hall. They were, man. They were. And I would have had them in the studio, but it's just not it's just not safe yet. You know? Just can't, yep. just can't, just can't it. do it I yet. It. Uh, I mean, yeah, we could. We could, but like we'd all have to be masked we up, could. and we'd all have to have good ventilation. It'd just be weird. So true. Just, you know. Just be weird. I don't. Yeah, I just. I'll just it. wait a couple months. Just you know. Not throw it. No, in no, there. no. I saw. Yeah. I saw him there, and I. You know, people. 
You know, it's right, just right. you do what you do. You know. Anyways, uh, thank you to Ward Davis. Can't thank him enough for being on the show. Fantastic. Um, go out, check out his new album. Okay, Dave, do it. You know what time it is. Yeah, shoe and tell, baby. Shoe and tell number three o. Three o. I got I got a real laid back one. This one. This is this is, is no big deal. Not too crazy. Now next week, since we're going into a break, I'm gonna break out another of the amazings. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go another amazing okay. next week. Uh, one okay. of my favorites, okay. uh, but this is this is also one of my favorites. But it's just a low key, laid back favorite, you know. All right. What I got All here? Right. It's, it's a it's part of the. Is it part? Is it in the uh, like the circle of ones that you wear or no? Yes, this is like this. It's like your favorite ones that you wear. This is a heavy wearer here. This is a heavy wearer. Okay, gotcha. Um, this one's been worn multiple multiple times at the gym. This has been a uh, a, oh, okay. a, a lifting shoe here. A lifting shoe. Oh, interesting. This is the Jordan 1's yellow and black. Sweet. Yellow and black. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was a part of the package. The new love. Old no, love. no. I haven't busted those out yet. The, those have never been worn. Oh. These are a, 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 a bought uh, by themselves. These actually oh. they have the reverse coloring of the uh, old love, new loves. So where the old love, new love black is, the yellow is on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Now, nothing fancy, like I said, but I will say I got these not too long after Wiz Khalifa's black and yellow came out. So it's a bit necessary. Yes. You know, I had, to, I had to rock them. By the way, did you know Wiz Khalifa, born in North Dakota? Hmm. I did not. I thought. I guess he went from North Dakota to Pittsburgh. Yeah, but. his parents were in the military, so he's moving around. Mm. You know, he's moving around. But yeah, I got. You know, I mean, I, fun fact. I mean, he made he made black and yellow cool. Let's be honest. He made, oh yeah, I mean, you anything? Yeah, totally. It was. I mean, and you know that that I always will say that about Pittsburgh sports teams. It is awesome that they have the coordination between all three sports teams, and that it's black and yellow. That's pretty cool. You know, mm -hmm. Penguins, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Pirates, Pittsburgh Steelers, all black and yellow. You know, it's Pittsburgh colors. It's Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Pramani, Pramani Brothers and Steelers football. That is what Pittsburgh does. So true. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to my Jordan 1's yellows. Uh I will say, too, you made mention of this last week, the Air Forces making a, re a resurgence. I noticed, yeah. I noticed the Jordan 1s, they made a huge, like, like resurgence in the, in the young community. Like the, totally. the high schoolers, totally. I mean, it's, God, they're into they're them, man. They're basically the high top version of the Air Force 1s. Well, they're very similar. Uh, well, as you uh, remember, same person designed both of them. Same right, same exactly. designer for the Air Force Ones and the Jordan Ones. Uh, uh, anyways, so that's my shoe. Very, I love these shoes. Been wearing them for a long time. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. Uh, okay, Dave, are you ready to not get the last birthday suit? Wait, what? I'm ready to lose the third one. I'm I'm even less confident if that can be possible than <laughs> Jane Austen. So this one is five percent. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, this is not in your wheelhouse. This is classic rock. All right. This is classic rock uh, stars and not the singers. Okay. So, uh. 
Uh, Our birthday suit wearer was born on December 16th, 1949, but at least it is in the 1900s, so there you go. Um, yes. In Houston, <laughs> Texas, his father was an orchestra conductor and a concert pianist. Hmm. Uh, at the age 13, our birthday suit wearer received his first guitar, which was a Gibson Melody Maker. Uh, he played it nonstop. Our birthday suit wear ended up attending Warner Brothers Art School in California, going to California for high school. He ended up making many bands in school and eventually created the band The Moving Sidewalks, which the artist Jimi Hendrix was a big fan of The Moving Sidewalks. Oh. In fact, Jimi nice. Hendrix thought our birthday suit wear were one of the best guitar guitarists out there. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And uh, the moving sidewalks ended up opening for Jimi Hendrix during Hendrix's first American tour. However, wow. in 1969, our birthday suit wearer decided to form a trio with Dusty Hill and Frank Beard. They called themselves ZZ Top. Mm hmm. Uh, I, I know crap. you've heard ZZ Top. I know you don't know who he is. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, shit. From 1973 <laughs> to 1994, the uh, group released nine albums that were all either platinum or gold, with the most popular being Eliminator and Afterburner. They had si big singles like LaGrange, Tush, uh, Cheap Sunglasses, Pearl Necklace, Give Me All Your Lovin', Sharp Dressed Man, and Legs. In all, they've sold over 50 million albums. They've been inducted into the Rock Man. and Roll Hall of Fame, and our birthday suit wearer mm -hmm. was named 32 on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Guitarists of All Time. Mr. Damn, Billy nice. Gibbons. Billy oh. Gibbons. Yes, indeed. I would not have gotten that one. Bi nope, nope, nope. Billy. But I do enjoy me some ZZ Top. Oh, who doesn't? Like who doesn't? Turning 71, Billy. He's looked about like oh, he's... happy birthday, Billy. He's looked like he's been he 80 for the last 50 <laughs> or 30 years. <laughs> Basically since 85, since the, since his beard yeah. fully grew out, he's looked uh, he's looked about 80. So, you know, he looks young for his age now. So, nice. There you go. Nice. <laughs> happy birthday, Billy. What's your favorite ZZ yes, Top, sir, Dave? happy birthday. What's the favorite? Dude, I love Sharp Dress, man. I love Sharp Dress, man. Yeah, it's a good one. I don't know. I don't. I really love legs. I like Tush too. Mm -hmm. Those are those are and Lagrange. I really like Lagrange too. I don't know, man. Yeah. Those those all three of those are jams right there. Those it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Tush Tush and Sharp Dressed Man and Give Me All Your Loving. Very eighty sounding. Give me all your Give me all your loving. Yeah. Those those are good yeah. jams though, man. Just such such good. Just you know. Carefree rock right there. Good grooving. Yeah. Grooving Tex rock, exactly. Texas boogie right there, man. Anyways, happy right. birthday, Billy. Okay, Dave. One more show for the year. One more show. And you know who I got Damn. for this show? Just guess. Who you got? Who's a longtime guest that everybody loves? Claude. Claude, fly till I die, Lathan. Oh, let's go. Claude is coming on the show. We are going to talk about this new 
NBA season, which is happening next week. We are going to throw down. We are going to talk about the possibilities. I mean, the Luka possibilities, the Buck possibilities, the Net possibilities, the Warrior possibilities, the Laker possibilities, the Heat possibilities. There's so many teams. It's anybody's Dude, game. I, I got it. I want to hear what he's thinking now with some of these moves. I think I think he's thinking the Nets are going to be scary good. Honestly, that's what I think he thinks. Word. And you know, I we were talking about it a little bit. We were going back and forth, and I was like, I don't know, Claude. I just I don't I that 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 Kyrie's combustible. He's awesome, but he's he's combustible. He's dangerous. You got to watch out for that Kyrie. Right. I don't know. Now KD. Right. KD's just the Slim Reaper. Just watch out for points. They're coming all night. You know what you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, they're yep. coming all night. But I can't wait to talk to Claude. We're going to have a fantastic show. Uh, we we sadly, I know, I know, sadly we're not going to have the Lonely Highway on for the fifth, uh, for the fifth Christmas show in a row. But uh, the fellas are still, still making things happen. So uh, hopefully... We can we can bring it back, 2021. Definitely. We will bring Definitely. it back. Uh, anyways, guys, this has been the Doc G Show. I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, that guy that usually has some kind of fake fact attributed to his name, Dave Burles Berlin. Say what? But the real fact is, 2020 is almost done, y'all. Boom. One more. Boom. We'll see you next week. Oh. Until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doodah.